0: with a hat full of I'm a son of Greetings and happy Wednesday, or actually Tuesday, here at Dash Radio. This is the Desiree Show, first downs and flip tricks, and it is the 15th day of May. Hope you guys all had a wonderful uh, Mother's Day. Um, I'm super grateful to have a mother, I know. Uh, we went to the club with my sister and my niece. And my mom and dad and my husband, and uh, it was a really nice time. Um, Just always nice to spend time with family. Anyways, today, in studio, I'm really excited to welcome a very prolific journalist. He's a writer, he's a photographer, an editor, an author, and a director, and then some. Uh, His work appears in Rolling Stone, Playboy, Revolver Magazine, where he is an editor of Action Sports. Uh, Our lives have actually intersected as well with many mutual friends, He's got two podcasts, Boozed and Cruised and Ride the Lightning. Uh, recently, he's interviewed Nora V, Chris Cole, Sean White, Elliot Sloan, Steve Caballero, Wee Man, Chris Gregson, and Bam. Uh, and I'm just giving the short list here. Uh, I, don't, I did tell you he was prolific. Uh, he's also a motorci- motorcycle aficionado, I should say, as well, um, and a pianist. Uh, and the list of accolades could keep going, but... Um, But what actually really intrigued me about my guest, who you guys are still waiting to find out who it is, is he has, there's something much about him, or one of the things that it touches me so much is his miraculous story. Uh, A near fatal crash less than nine months ago, and the story that ensued, uh, an inspiring, uh, super inspiring, what movies are made of. Uh, and based on. I'm just really excited to welcome, and without further ado, Mr. Eric Hendricks. Eric. How you doing? I'm good. Thanks so much for making the time. Good. Thank you. I'm blushing from all the accolades. <laughs> well, and I didn't even, that, I mean, I could have kept going. I mean, I was like, wow, okay. Wait, can we get my mom on the phone first before you do? <laughs> we, we can. <laughs> what would mom say? I
1: don't know. She'll love all the accolades.
0: All right. Yeah. Or did you have a nice Mother's Day? I saw that you were with family, I believe.
1: Family, family, family. Yeah, family first. So yeah, I was uh, had everyone together on Saturday early. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. And then sort of a surprise thing that happened on Sunday that I'll tell you about a little later.
0: Okay. great. Yeah. Right. I'm stoked. I'm excited to uh, welcome that. Now, first, I, I got to ask though, Hendrix is spelled different. What is the what is the heritage or the nationality of your last name? I mean, I know that's sort of a random question, but I did have to ask. There's a, there's a K and an X.
1: Well, we just come from a long line of illiterate <laughs> Dutchmen.
0: Hence why you're a journalist yeah. <laughs> and right. an author.
1: Uh, it's a Dutch spelling, yeah. My dad came from the Netherlands. Okay. Sprechen the de Deutsch? No, 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 oh, okay. no. That's German.
0: Ich speak, no, but, ich spreche ein bisschen Butter in the oh, It's very similar.
1: You're so far ahead of me. <laughs> yeah, no, I speak some Swiss, Swiss-German. Uh, Spanish, but I don't, dad never taught me Dutch. Okay. Shame on you, dad.
0: Well, uh, is goddamn it. And, the, is, is, well, sorry, I shouldn't say that out loud, right? That's all I need, <laughs> I right?
1: Just walk around saying God damn it. I know
0: the bad name, the bad words, you know, from being little.
1: Of course you do.
0: So if you're just tuning in, I'm joined by Eric Hendricks. You can follow him on Instagram or on Twitter, um, at Eric Hendricks. And actually the spelling again is Hendricks KX, um, as well. Now, a, a super hard for me to pick an intro song for you with you having such a strong music background uh, or passion for music as as well as being a, a musician. What would, you, would your, you pick? Iggy Pop, Search and Destroy. No complaints. Okay. No right. complaints. What did you, <laughs> that's never a bad complaint. What would be your song?
1: Well, last night I was up till about two in the morning editing photos I took at Slayer's. Uh, I was World gonna tour. start with Slayer, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what, I have a huge range and my son's turned me on to a lot of stuff and we've, I've rekindled my relationship with the Rolling Stones and the Beatles and, and Bob Dylan and stuff. So when we're around the house, it's super chill. And then when I'm out in like my, my man cave motorcycle garage, uh-huh. that's, that's where Slayer comes in.
0: Well, and Slayer is always great. Yeah, it's always Favorite great. spot you've ever saw Slayer play?
1: Oh, that's an interesting question. Well, I saw them play Friday night mm-hmm. in Irvine at the new Five Points Amphitheater. Um, and then if, rewind 30 years ago. Can I say 30 years ago?
0: You can, you can.
1: With me, you can. That sounds so weird. Sounds
0: old. 1988.
1: Uh, 1988, I saw Slayer open for Judas Priest at Irvine Meadows. Right. So this was like a nice way to bookend it.
0: No, super sick. Now, I will tell you, my my first time seeing Slayer in Salem Oregon. Oh wow. I mean which was pretty cool at the boys and girls club with biohazard.
1: That sounds too cool. You're already one-upping me. No, no, no. And that was i going to start interviewing you.
0: 9495. No, it was rat. I mean it was just seeing I mean obviously <laughs> if it would have been in Massachusetts, Salem Massachusetts it would have been, been even ratter, oh, but I thought Salem Oregon would be pretty sick. Or though. like
1: or like some, somewhere in Scandinavia, like, yeah. like where all the fin- <laughs> like Finnish and Swedish death metal comes from, like the Church Burning guys. Not that I'm into that. <laughs> no which I'm not, but, like, that's pretty Slayer.
0: Bam would have those uh, spots and, alloca- and uh, locations for us, I'm sure. Oh, he could send <laughs> us a pin right now. We could
1: text him, and by the time this conversation's over, he'd probably have, like, 12 spots.
0: Mm, uh, okay, so now let's um, – okay, so music. I mean, everything. I mean, sports, motorcycles, any boards, journalism – I mean, you know, I'm thinking when I was preparing for the show, I was like kind of thinking how I wanted to start, and there's so many facets to you, Mm. so let's start with, you grew up in Orange County.
1: I did, yeah, and that's like this action sports hub, so um, I grew up surfing, skateboarding, snowboarding, all the things that are boarding, Um, riding boards down my parents' staircases, Uh the house, just everything, so um, that would eventually lead to me working in action sports and journalism, but... It, from the very beginning that was it it was like building mini ramps and launch ramps and kickers and skating around Orange County and we're right there when everything was happening when you know Tony Hawk and Lance Mountain and Steve Caballero and all those guys used to just come skate like parking lot demos.
0: I miss those days. Yeah me too So, and, and you mentioned um, mini ramps and uh, quarter pipes and something that I, I I've just realized kind of recently how special we are to have those roots. I was talking to Jeff Grosser when I was driving up and you know, we were talking about the roots and I was like, yeah, I'm just feel really grateful for growing up and skateboarding the way I did because you wanted to skate, you helped build it. You, Whether it was sweep sweep it, dig it, um, come up with, show up with some, um, some wood of any form. I mean, whether it was a two by four for, you know, for the base of, of the ramp or some sheets. Yeah. You know, independent, Masonite or, you know, whatever you could get your hands on. Um, but really special thing that now kids don't really have the opportunity to do. They still can, but there are so many skate parks now. We didn't have skate parks, you know, when right. I was skating. It, you know. it was
1: all DIY. So yeah. we were out, and since since Orange County was like such this, like like, booming there was houses being built everywhere. So we were out stealing wood from construction sites Mm -hmm. and then going into the forest and building these mini ramps. And then finally the cops or the construction guys would find the ramps and tear them down and we'd go out and just do it again and build a bigger one. Um, That's how it was done back then. Now, yeah, now you can go to whatever skate park. There's a bazillion of them.
0: Yeah, they don't realize, I mean, it's sad. It's kind of sad, actually, and that's why, you know, I did this thing for Vans a little, like uh, two months ago. And they have this ad campaign around Atita and Girls Skate India. Um, But she started this not knowing what she was doing, getting cement and building stuff for them to skate. And so it was kind of cool to see that this girl in India in 2018 has the same experience that we had kind of growing up skateboarding. Which is for sure. You know, it's really cool. Um,
1: that said though, a lot of people still are doing DIY stuff. There still are like a lot of DIY spots. And um, was it Sunday? Yeah, Mother's Day morning, I was actually out with the Blood Wizard team and we were out in ditches and we were sweeping like sewage and stuff and drying up a spot so that they could skate it. So it's still happening, but it's it's also kind of cool that kids can go into these skate parks and sort of develop like all the fundamental skills in sort of a controlled environment not have to worry about cops and you know like homeless people and all those things that you mess around with when you're when you're older and you're actually like skating these spots and you just have like hopping fences. Hopping fences, everything <laughs> finding yeah.
0: pools, draining pools. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Um, trespassing. Yeah, no it's true.
0: They can do it legally. Like we skateboarding was we were Hellions, I mean, essentially, I think. <laughs> I have
1: a recent trespassing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um Yeah, yeah, I got busted in in, in Phoenix actually. I'd taken
0: in Phoenix, of all places. They're pretty lenient there. I mean, as far as that stuff, I thought
1: you'd think, but um, we spent three or four days. I was out there with my son Stone and and a handful of guys, and and um, we were skating around all these spots. And then on our way back from Phoenix to Orange County, we um, we stopped by this high school that had this famous little rail that we saw in a Nike video. And um, we we went. I took the boys there. We jumped the fence. We went in. We were just prepping to film and skate and sesh this little spot, and the, we got swarmed by police, and they were, were just not the friendliest ones. And so most of the time, you can just be like, "Look, I'm I'm sorry. We just came to sp- skate this spot, and we're we're gonna take off." But in this situation, the guy was he was determined to take me down, and and uh, so he um, yeah he wrote wrote me up originally or. Eventually, it just ended up to be a trespassing thing, but I did have to go back to court and, like, talk to the district attorney who ended up being a skateboarder. Oh. And dropped, like, most of the charges which they were trying to get me, which were these weird, like, contributing to the delinquency of minors because we had four (laughs) or five kids with us. Oh. And I'm like, that's, like, stuff, like, if you buy, like, minors booze or something, all we did was hop a fence and, (laughs) you know, and I was just there to make sure no one got hurt. You know, that was my story anyway.
0: You're uh, supervising. Yeah. That's, I, I, I buy it.
1: That's it. And so um, the district attorney turns out he used to ride old Zorlac board and we talked about skating a little bit and he dropped everything except for trespassing um, so I got stuck with that on my record.
0: Community service? Or did you have to pay a fine? I
1: just paid a little fine.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah. I, you didn't want to go back to Phoenix and do some community no,
1: service? I don't want to sweep the highway when it's <laughs> 120 degrees. I was
0: thinking of picking up the litter, you know, like, there's so <laughs> yeah. some cute outfits out yeah, there. Yeah, like, <laughs> put on an
1: orange vest. Or there's that prison, that prison, um... Oh, yeah, that, that put, is a nice he, spot. He dresses everyone in pink, all his prisoners. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, I can't remember his name, but there's this, like, um, <laughs> what do they call it? A warden. There's a warden in Phoenix. It's a gnarly prison down there and to sort of like humiliate all the prisoners he all the all their all their garb is all pink. Wow. Yeah.
0: God, that's kind of that's pretty wild.
1: Yeah, he just messes with them. That,
0: that's, uh, that, that's crazy. Uh, we need photos of that. Maybe we need to like hang out in Phoenix on the side of the freeway by the uh by the uh, the jail.
1: More investigation is necessary.
0: More investigation. Yeah, do you think yeah. Rolling Stone might want to do a story on this? Yeah, we could. <laughs> it's developing
1: right now. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> uh,
0: okay, so, I, I, you know, and I've got, uh, well, okay. I'm, it's like I said, I'm all over the place. For me, first published photo, first published ad photo I got was in Transworld. So I went to 7-Eleven to make sure that the copy they gave me wasn't the only copy that was made with my ad in it. What was the first photo or article published for you, and what was your experience with that?
1: Wow, I'm not even sure if I can, like, recall the first one, but I think it was probably in a music magazine, like Guitar Magazine or Guitar World or one of those things, and it was probably something with Zach Wild, because he and I have sort of a lifelong relationship, Mm -hmm. and I've been taking photos of his band, you know, since I was, like, in my... Probably late teens or something. Um, so it was probably that, yeah. And I'm, I'm sure I ran to the store and bought a copy as well. Yeah.
0: yeah. It was kind of a cool thing, you know, like kind of like for me, it was more of like, okay, it's not. They didn't just give me a copy to think that I'm. I mean, I kind of. It was such. A, it was so rad. I thought, um, yeah. you know. And then my first check from Big Brother, which was signed by Larry Flint was actually really cool too. I was like, yeah, here dad. And That's I didn't, awesome. and I didn't, you know, I wasn't nude. Um, getting a getting a check from Larry Flint. Do you still have the check? Uh, no, I cashed it. I needed the money. <laughs> yeah, I should, yeah. wish I would have kept it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, now you, uh, you get checks from Hugh Hefner. Well, not, not anymore, but from Playboy. Yeah. Any, and- any of the same sentiment kind of getting a check for Playboy? I mean, kind of like a cool, or is that hanging in your own man cave? No, it's, it's, <laughs> it,
1: but I do keep some of them because now it's like digital, like deposit stuff. So you can just like void the check and keep them. Mm-hmm. And, and I keep all the, I have all the Rolling Stone checks too. Yeah. And it's just cool to see like the little logos in the corner and be like, wow, I'm actually like. Have like a a part of this? A, yeah, I'm a piece of this uh, historic uh, uh, event.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. really rad. How did it start? I mean, because you like you you mentioned you you know skate being raised in Orange County, uh, all the board sports. I mean, which we are raised with. Um, well, that we find I should say, because not everybody you know goes that route. Music, mm-hmm. um, but how did it go from you know that to actually becoming a journalist sure um, did you go to school or did you go to school did it just i mean or yeah just no, tell us I how No I it went happened.
1: to school for anthropology and forensics uh-huh. and so I did my bachelor's in anthropology and then I did my masters in forensics and that was my my ultimate goal was just to be Indiana Jones that was my plan the whole time I could see it I'm still working on it I'm not quite there yet but um, but it's that was the number one goal um, after I finished college, I sort of switched gears and I got I started doing a lot of photography, um, shooting bands and stuff like that. It was just interesting to me, and then that sort of led out into the street and shooting skateboarding and different stuff like that, which led to portraits. Um, at the same time, I was doing a lot of writing, and a friend of mine, one of my best friends, Erich Kraus, who um, he's a um, he's a, a, a best-selling author, um, he kind of brought me in and just had me help him out with stuff. I would shoot. But, um, photographs for some MMA books that he worked on. So we worked with like Forrest Griffin and Randy Couture and Ken Shamrock and like all the big UFC fighters. Mm-hmm. And they were these technique books where I was taking pictures of like how to, you know, strangle somebody like Ken Shamrock or whatever it was. Um, and so that was kind of the, the beginning point. And then I started writing sections and captions and, and then chapters for some of these books that Arish was working on. And, I never really want, thought about being a journalist or a writer. I was just helping my friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then um, Forrest Griffin's book came out. It ended up being a New York Times bestseller. And then we did another one, and that was a New York Times bestseller. And then after that, the publisher, HarperCollins, contacted me and said, hey, listen, we know your involvement in this book and stuff, and do you have any ideas? We'd, we'd love to back you on another project. And I said, yeah, I'd, I'd love to write a book with Zach Wilde. Who you know is the guitar player for Ozzy Osbourne yeah. for the last 25, 30 years, and Zach's been a friend for a long time. So I hit up Zach, and long story short, we we wrote a book called "Bringing Metal to the Children."
0: Yeah, I was gonna. I mean, I was gonna ask you about that. Yeah. Now, uh, how how was that receipt? I mean, how that's that's really rad. It was awesome. It I was, mean, did you partner with uh, with Zach? I mean, that's it's,
1: it's crazy because when I was a kid, and I I totally believe in like manifestation. And I totally believe that when you focus on something and you put something out to the universe that you want to bring into your life, you can do that. And when I was a kid, a teenager, I was in my room playing guitar and I had this big poster of Zach Wilde on my wall. And I just, I liked his pose and his like, the way he held his guitar super low and straight up and down. And, and he was just this like incredible guitar player. And I was like, well, I want to be like best friends with this guy, he looks so cool. I'd love to jam with him or something. And then like fast forward years later, like we ended up crossing paths and then becoming friends and then becoming best friends. And then I ended up writing his book. Um, So that was it was super cool. And the book was, yeah, it was well received. It's been translated into several languages around the world. And uh, it was a fun project.
0: Yeah, oh, That's a really cool thing I was going to ask. I saw that on your Twitter uh, handle, you know, on your Twitter handle. Oh, yeah, or, You yeah. know, on your bio for Twitter. I was right. like, oh, we got to talk to talk about this book with him.
1: Yeah, and so that, that book sort of around that time I started writing articles, and I think I was just sort of writing them for free for this magazine in S- San Diego. It was like Re- Revolt in Style. Oh, okay. You know the magazine? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's an action sports-based magazine, and so I thought, you know, I, I – I'm starting to know all these people. I have all these friends that are like in this like really cool arena of like pro skaters and moto guys and snowboarders. And at the highest level, they're going to the Olympics and they're doing X Games and stuff. So it'd be really cool to do these like intimate conversations and find out what they're interested in and find out stuff that nobody really knows about these guys. And that's that's sort of where it all kicked off. I wrote a bunch of these articles and then shoot, the phone rang and it was Rolling Stone. Uh Right. Yeah, and it literally happened like that. The phone rang and it was Rolling Stone and they sa- and, and the guy was like, hey listen, uh, it was Br- uh, Brandon Geis, the senior editor there. He said, um, you know, we've we worked together with Revolver Magazine and some other stuff. I'm a senior editor of Rolling Stone now. Would you be interested in writing action sports for Rolling Stone, specifically skateboarding? And we'd love to have you sort of introduce our audience to the skateboarding realm. Rolling Stone didn't really cover skate. And I thought, what a cool opportunity since um, there's so many music writers at Rolling Stone, but there was nobody writing about skateboarding. And so I just jumped on it and started, I started writing the next day.
0: When there's such a crossover, I mean, with music and skateboarding and creative, uh, you know, I mean, Ray Barbie, uh, Stevie Caballero, Bam, um, Elliot Sloan. I mean, David Gonzalez. I mean, there's so many, I mean, I'm just, you know, that's a smidgen, you know, Steve Alba, you know, I mean, there's so many crossovers, I feel like with, Music and skateboarding, the creativity of it
1: absolutely I mean the the tie-in's incredible, and even like every skate part has a song and and you you don't reuse songs and so there's like thousands or tens of thousands of skate parts out there, and every single one pretty much is edited to like different music and there's it's it's incredible how tied they are.
0: Oh, music! I, I, Jamie Thomas was in it a little while ago, and we were talking about that. Was something like for me, like you hear a song and you know exactly where you were when that when you saw that video or that trip you were on or you know the tour or you know I mean you can visualize it all. And uh, there's something so special with music and parts and how they pick the part, the song for the music, whether it's the skater or the editor. I mean, however it works, it's. Music is so special to me as well, you know, I think, uh, you know, a lot of us. <clears throat>
1: powerful, yeah.
0: Very powerful. Um, <clears throat> okay, so, okay, we're going to, we're going to slide, we got a lot to cover. <clears throat> you wear a lot of different hats um, all over the publication. I mean, from director to author, as you mentioned, co-author with some books, writer, photographer. Um, how do you balance it?
1: Uh, I careful. want to know that yeah. well, <laughs> but the, that's a
0: personal question <laughs>
1: I try to be really careful on what projects I take on and what I say yes to and what I say no to to make sure that I have the time to do those things um, but even then it's it's challenging you know um, I like I said two in the morning last night I was editing Slayer photos and finishing up some articles um, this week for revolver magazine so I can get out of here and go to Hawaii next week
0: okay Nice, I like that. Yeah. Uh, so there's incentive.
1: Oh, there's incentive. Yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm a procrastinator too. So um, I'll wait till like the night before, the last minute before I crank out an article, and I feel like when I'm on it, I'm that intense, and and that's when my best work's gonna come out, you know. Otherwise, I'll just sort of like lollygag around and write something, whatever, blasé, and kind of go find something to eat and go mess with my cats and sit at the piano,
0: and yeah. I, I thought I was the only one that had a problem with that. <laughs> I thought you I thought for sure you'd be like, Oh no, on Tuesdays we're riding on Wednesdays or no, I mean I you know, it's it, I'm always curious with multi cause I have a lot of interests as well. Yeah. And it's really hard to balance it. You know, um it for me it's really hard, you know, to make sure I'm skating, to make sure I'm taking care of myself. Right. Um, being a wife. I mean but my but but my my show and doing, you know, shooting photos and writing and podcasting and interviewing and setting up interviews and, you know, and doing social media for a couple of companies. I mean, just trying to... It's it's a hard balancing act, and then to try to paint I as well. I don't do... I've been in bands. Um, I was in... I was, like, in 14, I was in a band, and we did all Minutemen covers and Red Cross covers. I was a singer. We didn't last long, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you're busy.
1: It's pretty safe to say you're not at home watching Real Housewives of Orange County.
0: Oh, I, I refuse to watch any reality TV. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> no.
1: That's a big part of it. I don't watch TV either. Um, I do read. I usually read um, to inspire me on projects that I'm writing, but um, yeah, I don't. I don't really have a lot of downtime. Like when I'm at home, whether it's in the morning, I'm working on something during the day I'm working on stuff at nighttime, late into the night, I'm writing or editing photos. I just like to stay busy and be creative.
0: What are you reading right now? What's book? What, what book are you working on now? I'm reading some, I just
1: opened up some dystopian books that I've read forever ago, like 1984. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just like interested in sort of like this whole like Orwellian um, future that like, you know, that George had like predicted so long ago. And now we're starting to see some of that stuff unfold. And so it's it's kind of fascinating to me. So I'm jumping right back into that stuff a little bit. Um, but I I usually have four or five, you know, books on my nightstand and I'll like, I'll read a chapter from each and kind of whatever mood I'm in before I shut it down for the night.
0: Oh, that's cool. Yeah, no, and that's kind of, I read at night as well. I always have to read something, even five pages or a few pages of my books. What's the last book that you read? Well, I'm reading Nonsense right now because it's sort of a, I'm reading, um it's a part, it's like Crazy Rich Asian. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a crazy title. Um, it's nonsense for me right now. But um, what is it? I the oh my gosh, I can't even think of the name. Um, the coach for the San Francisco 49ers. It's the the book is called "The Score Takes Care of Itself." Okay, and it's super inspiring. Um, it's obviously football related. Uh, but it's life lessons and how you kind of, you know, how he came into the San Francisco 49ers when they were Owens, you know, they were losing, it was a bad organization at the time as far as winning championships and turned it around uh, in 18 months to bring them to the Super to the playoffs and then to the Super Bowl. You know, I mean, it, it's a pretty... So inspiring. It was really inspiring, you know,
1: for me. Um, I love books like that. I just read, um, not too long ago, Andre Agassi's book, Open. Oh, um, um, that would be a good one as well. It's so well written, and I'm not a tennis fan. Like, I don't really watch tennis or play tennis or anything. Um, But I read the first, like, the first couple pages, and I was roped in. Because he talks about trying to get out of bed in the morning and how much pain he's in, and it's something that I can kind of relate to right now. Um, and he you know he wakes up and he falls to the floor and it takes him five ten minutes to stretch and until he can even stand and then he's going into this hot shower for like 45 minutes to just try and get the muscles moving again and stuff and and then you know that day he's going and getting like a cortisone shot in his spine and then that night he's like he's playing like some tennis championship like Wimbledon at like the highest level you know or, or the open or whatever I'm gonna screw up the name of the championships but um, it's such a good book and it's it's really compelling in the in the narrative that it was told. I can't remember the author's name, but he wrote another book called the 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 Tender Bar, oh. and that was an autobiography, and that's a really great book too. So I just kind of stuck with the author and found another, and mm-hmm. he's a uh, Pulitzer Prize winning author and really well written.
0: Oh no, that sounds interesting. I'd yeah. like that. I, I played open a long time ago, but uh, tennis. But still, I just the. The struggle, and I think that's another. We sort of have a a commonality on a few things because I think we both care about people, um, yeah. And want to like you were sharing about writing, and and that's kind of how I think of my show or when I write as well as I'm interested and I want to see. And when I'm shooting photos, I want to see the other dimension. I want to see something else of these people. Yeah, Um, you want
1: some depth, you know. You want some depth. You don't want some shallow. Like you could, I could have googled that and found that out, you know.
0: So. Yeah, no, exactly. And I mean, you want character. to find more. Yeah. You know, that's that's your lead-in, you know, like from what you find on Google perhaps or what you find out from other people. But, you know, and now you, you know, recently, and you've, in, you know, like I mentioned, I mean, Nora, Chris Cole, Bam, Stevie Cab, Elliot. I mean, I'm just talking about some of the action sports, you know, doing different pieces for, you know, podcasts mm-hmm. or doing a story or, and photos uh, for Rolling Stone or yeah. for the Revolver magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, going into this, do you shift gears? Do you, how, uh, or how how do you attack each? Because I would think, well, obviously, each publication has a different audience.
1: Yeah, I mean, without a doubt. You know, the, uh, with Revolver magazine, which I'm an editor of the magazine, and I write features and shoot photography, and then I, um, I produce um, a lot of our video content. But it's a heavy metal-based, you know, and rock and roll-based magazine, so the language changes, you know, because people can relate to certain heavy metal language, like horns up, you know, mm-hmm. and if I put that somewhere else, they don't know what that means, you know?
0: They're like, horns up, Where what yeah. does that mean yeah. in acronyms? Or, no. yeah, <laughs> yeah, right? Is there an emoji for that? No. There <laughs> no. is. Yeah, there is, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I use it all the time. I use it as well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but... Um, but yeah, and then Rolling Stone—it's a different audience. And Rolling Stone, like in in Revolver, it's you know, it's not a heavy skateboarding audience. It's maybe like, maybe ten to twenty percent, let's say, um, are familiar with skateboarding, and and way less that understand what a nolly heel flip is. So when when I get into the language and narrative, I I really like to just tell a compelling story about a person who persevered, you know, and the, their trials and tribulations that they've been through, and people who have like faced. Heavy odds and still come out on top because it, it gives people hope and there's a connection people can relate to that people who have been down in the dumps or hard times or um, feels like they're they're up against a wall and there's all these other people who are at the the top of their action sport or the top of their realm who were also in that situation and so to be able to kind of delineate that path from you know from humble beginnings to, um, legend, you know, being a legend in some cases, um, it's inspiring. And I think it, it, people love to see those stories because it gives them hope.
0: Yeah, no. And that's why I like to see them. And that's why I wanted to have you on. Oh, thank you. Um, you know, you in September, close to nine months ago, you went through a life altering event yeah um yeah. you know and I, I'm gonna let you kind of share a little bit about it um you know I mean you you almost died
1: almost we were right on the edge
0: um I mean yeah. that sounds I don't mean that in any um and I mean that in more so of just how how far and how and what has happened since this happened yeah uh, so but let, let's talk about let's talk about what happened
1: in Switzerland sure sure so um, I'm, a, I'm a motorcycle enthusiast and I, I ride bikes um, all over the world, all test bikes. I was over in Italy last year with um, Ducati um, Scrambler t- testing the new Cafe Racer. Um, I have a Harley Davidson at home. I ride Indians and all different bikes, all different and it's like a,
0: you're a musician on motorcycles, almost. <laughs> yeah, and, and when
1: I I, I I like the Gonzo journalism, so I like when you when you are interviewing somebody, I like to get into it. So like on Sunday, like I said, I was in a sewer with the Blood Wizard skateboard team, and I'm doing something with them right now. And last year I was on motorcycles with Carrie Hart, you know, ripping through Minnesota, or with Imogen Latonin in the Swiss Al- or in the uh, Italian Alps. Um, I like to get right in the mix and experience the entire thing. I don't like to just have them tell me about what they did. I want to do it too, so that I could write intelligently and from the heart. Um, so, so all that said, I was I was just on vacation. I was on vacation with my son and some family in the Swiss Alps, up in Arosa, which is sort of the southeast um, Alps corner. And there's, I randomly had this. Um, I, I I hiked down to this cool little bar um, on this lake in Arosa um, one day and. I met the owner, and there was a couple of Harley Davidsons parked out front, and they happened to be his, and we hit it off. We had really good conversations. We were talking about bike stories, and he was telling me some stories about a, a terrible crash story he had been in a year before in Austria. And Wow, um,
0: that's foretelling almost. That's kind of crazy. Yeah,
1: yeah, and he had shattered his leg and twisted his foot all the way around, and he was in a wheelchair for months, and he had been helicoptered out, and he had this really crazy thing, and it was almost the one-year anniversary of that. Yeah, and wow. so... Um, He said, listen, I've I've got these two bikes. If you want to go for a ride, come back maybe tomorrow morning or the next morning. Let's get up early and just do a little ride down the hill. And I thought, well, that's incredible. Like, to be able to ride in the Swiss Alps, it's so beautiful up there. That's a dream come true. with a Harley.
0: I mean, well, I mean, all the bikes, but, I mean, a Harley would be enjoyable, I would think. I mean. Yeah,
1: any bike would be awesome. Um, He had these two bikes that he had sort of customized, a Street Glide and and a Dyna and they were sort of choppered out, you know, and they were really cool looking bikes, and so I was excited to go for this ride. So that morning, I want to back up a little bit, um, because a few weeks before I got to Switzerland, I had this app, and it was an app that a friend of mine turned me on to, uh, called Raya. It's a dating app.
0: Okay, okay. It's a
1: curated dating app, it's like a curated Tinder, right? And so they, like, they curate like this, I don't know, you have to be like backed and approved and it's a paid app. But um, a buddy of mine turned me on to it and said, hey, you're not dating anybody right now. I was like, no, he's like, I want to turn you on to this thing that you can meet a lot of people. It's people who are doing things. And so in my case, it was a journalist from Rolling Stone that got on the app and so they approved me in. But there's, like, there, there's actors and actresses and there's pe- people in news and, and just people who are in the hustle and bustle, chefs. My buddy was a chef who turned me on to it. So there's all kinds of people who are doing things. And so um, I met this girl, and uh, her name's Nikki, and she, um, we, we clicked on this app, we, we, we matched each other, you know, you swipe, swipe, and all that stuff, uh-huh. and then we started having this, like, kind of fun conversation, which actually began with music, I think she was like, you know, give me your first favorite three songs or something, and I was like, whoa, you know, that's a tough that's one. A, yeah, yeah. And
0: that's a good question How for me. How deep do you <laughs> want to go? Um, <laughs> and what were they?
1: Oh, I can't remember okay, right okay. now. I have to go back to the text because it changes for me all the time. Yeah. Um, whatever mood I'm in, I have different favorite songs. But Nikki and I hit it off really well and we were ta- So we, we jumped to phones and we were talking on the phone and she lives in Beverly Hills and I was living down in Orange County. So we're about an hour, hour and a half apart. Um, and so I was trying to come up and meet her and take her out to dinner um, so we could meet in person. But I ran right up until when I had to go to Switzerland and I was working on deadlines to get out the door just like I am now. Um, so I, I was like, listen, Nikki, I'm so sorry, I can't meet up with you before I leave for Switzerland, but I'm just going for two weeks and I'll be back. I promise I'll take you out right away. And she's like, you know, super understanding, like no problem, of course, you know, like have a great trip, send photos and I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll be in touch, you know, which we were during the trip. I was, you know, texting selfies from the Swiss Alps, you know, hey, how are you? And <laughs> this
0: is where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, she's sending me,
1: you know, little photos from Malibu and stuff. And it was, it was cute. And I was ex- really excited to meet this girl. And, um, so fast forward to that morning of the bike ride, I texted her and I said, Hey, listen, I'm, I'm going to run down, um, go for a ride down the mountain with, with a new friend. And, um, I'll be back in a little bit and, uh, let's, let's FaceTime or call a little bit later in the afternoon. And we're kind of playing with the time cause it's nine hours later, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and she, you know, she was, I don't, she was probably asleep at the time I texted her or hit me back and was like, yeah, no, you know, I'll talk to you in a bit. But um, the phone call never came back, because um, Sasha and I rode down this mountain, it's this famous mountain, it's 360 turns down, it's used for a lot of like famous annual races and stuff like that, and you're cliffside, and it's, just, it's beautiful, there's these like, stark cliffs and like, glacier caps on top of the mountain, and it was cold out, it was like zero degrees, and so it was chilly out, and, but sunny. And so we, we rode down the mountain successfully, went down and got a cup of coffee, and then we switched bikes and I grabbed this street glide and we were riding back up the mountain. And I made it about halfway. And then um, I went into this left-hand turn and I was right up against the cliffs. I had been looking down and it was like hundreds of feet down. Um, and I, I, w- I went into this turn and the back t- my back tire gave out. And it was like, I don't know if I hit ice or if I hit gravel, but the tire just slipped out from underneath me and started sliding towards the edge of the cliff. And I thought, no, no, no. And I think I even yelled, like, no, no. And <clears throat> I tried to push the bike away from me because it was going sideways and towards the cliff edge. And I thought, well, the bike's going off, not me. And um, I laid the bike down on its side, and it just, it just kicked back up. It grabbed me. It high-sided. It slammed me on the ground. Uh, I tore my knee open, broke my hand. Then <clears throat> the bike tumbled. I tumbled with the bike, and it threw me. I went through a wooden guardrail, which I snapped with my shoulder, broke my shoulder, um, and then I went for a fly. I went, I flew 65, 70 feet down the mountain, and then um, landed, luckily, in this sort of, like, little, like, catcher's mitt on the mountain. Otherwise, I'd have just kept going, like, hundreds of feet. Um, Knocked out as soon as I hit the ground, and um, I woke up, woke up on my back. Um, My buddy Sasha right on top of me, the one who had crashed his bike exactly a year before in a similar situation. And, um, man, he was just like, Eric, Eric, like, can you hear me? Do you know where you are? And I, I, I was, like, coming to you, like, tunnel vision, but I was like, yeah, yeah. He's like, do you know what happened? And I was like, oh, man, I felt overwhelmed with guilt because I had crashed his bike. Um, and I was like, I'm so sorry, Sasha. I'm so sorry I crashed your bike. And he was like, no, I don't care about the bike. The insurance will take care of that. Or I want to make sure you're okay. Can you move your legs? You know, and so I, and I like lifted both my feet, and I was like, "Wow, yeah, I could feel my legs; they're okay, I think." And he's like, "Can you move your arms?" And I I was able to move my left arm, but my right arm was just dead. You know, so I was like, "No, I can't move my right arm or shoulder. I think it's broken." And he's like, "Yeah, don't don't worry about it. Helicopters on the way," and thank God for that because I was with a guy from Switzerland who knew like what nine one one is in Switzerland, which I don't. Um, it made me rethink everything because it's like I. Like, as prepared I was and as good of a writer I was, I wouldn't have known who to call if there was an emergency in another country, in a foreign language. It's not 911. It's got to be something else, right? Mm -hmm. He knew what number to call, how to let him know exactly where we were on this mountain and get a helicopter there, Um, which was really good timing because um, the helicopter got to us in about 8 or 10 minutes. Um, I was kind of fading in and out of consciousness, but I had also broke two of my ribs, and one of my ribs stabbed me in the lung, and my lung f- completely filled up with blood. And so I'm laying there on my back, and I started having trouble breathing. And I was like, "Sasha, something's wrong. I can't breathe." And I gave a huge cough, and I just coughed blood all over myself. And then his eyes were like, uh oh!" Until then, he was like, "It's going to be okay. It's okay." And then it was like, "Oh, it's not okay." I don't
0: know if it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Wow.
1: And then I heard the helicopter pull up, you know, and the, and the medics dropped down, and and um. And they you know they, they hooked me up and put me in this like whole thing and 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 I, I they started hoisting me up I think they might have hooked me up to a medication or something because I, I started fading out pretty quick um, the last thing I remember was hearing the helicopter sound and Sasha telling me stay with me brother I'm gonna meet you at the hospital stay with me and um, and I, I I blacked out they put me in an induced coma and I was in a coma for I think four days um, in the hospital so I, I woke up I woke up in the middle of the night in this hospital in the city of Arosa in ICU. I was on a respirator and I had tubes everywhere. I had tubes down my nose, down my throat, in my rib, where my- To,
0: to, t- to, to expass Iraq, get d- to the- Drain the
1: lung from all the blood, yeah. Um, I, I, just tubes everywhere, machines, beeps, you know, and stuff, it was just crazy. Um, and, uh, yeah, they had told my family while I was in there, it wasn't looking good because I was just dumping blood. I was going through blood, and they were like bag after bag, trying to keep it blood in me and keep blood pressure. Um, so that was the four days of what was going on while I was in a coma. Um, yeah, but and then I, and then I woke up. I I I started holding blood again, holding blood pressure. Woke up in the hospital, and the nurse came over to me and she was so bright and smiley. I can remember seeing her face and she was just like so excited that I woke up um, because they thought it wasn't looking good for a few days and they were really bummed. And um, so she came over and, and she brought me this little writing board, which I was able to use like a left hand, you know, like right on this board. And I, I wrote, am I going to die? And she said, no, 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 no. You're you're going to be good. You're strong. You're going to be good. Just stay with us and you're holding blood pressure. Everything's good. And then I said, okay, can I have a beer? And, <laughs> and she just started laughing. Um, and um, so, yeah, I was back. And, so, and then the, the, next, the next note was, uh, can you call my son? I wanna see him right away. And she did, she, she called him in the middle of the night. Um, my son Stone, my best, best friend, um, was, he was there with me during the trip. He was at my side while I was in a coma and he was up in the Swiss Alps, um, waiting you know, and coming down and visiting during the day, but it was in the middle of the night. And um, so he um, and my, my brother-in-law jumped in a car and raced down to the hospital when they heard I was awake, and came down so I got to, got to see the guys. And then things started to just like, just reveal themselves in a better way from that point. you know. And it's a trip, when you, when you do go through something like that, like I remember the flight was the biggest thing for me. I remember, um, I I sort of remember the tumble and trying to get out of the accident, but I remember going through the flight and it was like slow motion. And I was so like blown away because I was like, wow, this is how I'm gonna die. And I always wondered if I would recognize that moment when I I was gonna die. And I I guess a lot of people wonder that, like how's it gonna happen? You know, it's like the one inevitable thing, but it could be in any way, you know, is it gonna be, an illness or an accident or in my sleep or what's it going to be And in this moment i was so sure it was happening and i was like wow this is it this is how i'm going i'm going off this cliff in my mind it was hundreds of feet down and it was the end and then and then i was like overwhelmed with like this warm feeling and i was like you know what i'm ready i feel good and i feel like i've done good in my life i had all these thoughts like you know, I was good to everybody. I was, I was trying to be loving to my family and do all the right things and think out of the box and do the things, not have any regrets. And I just felt good. I was ready to go, you know? And then to wake up, you know, and then find my buddy Sasha above me. And I was like, wow, I didn't die, you know? Yeah. Not yet anyway. And then it, and then it was still lit, like looming for several days, but not for me. I was just completely blacked out, you know, until I woke up in the hospital.
0: Anything like, have you ever had those, uh, and this might sound ridiculous, but have you ever had those dreams where you're falling?
1: Yeah, of course. Um, you
0: know, I mean, was yeah. it, it in any, I mean, when you were describing it, made me think of that. Obviously, it's totally different mm-hmm. um, because you also got this warm feeling like it was okay and that you had done Yeah, I mean, I guess right. if it's
1: like you're falling except for there was no panic, it was just warmth and happiness. And so, like... In in a falling dream, I guess I'd be scrambling, or maybe ju- you jump out of your sleep or something, because you're like, oh, I don't want to hit the ground. And in this case, I was just I was welcoming it. You're okay with, with it. With yeah, with open arms. Like I I didn't I wasn't fighting. Um, yeah, I was just like relaxed, and I was like kind of just this. There's nothing you can do at this point. I'm in the air. I'm flying. It's over. My last feeling is gonna be warmth and happiness, and that's how I'm gonna go. You know. And and then I just that was it, you know, woke up in the hospital and i and, uh, surrounded by like family and friends and everyone. I had some family fly in, um, you know, from, from the States and um, um, even one of my best friends, Ben Harper, um, flew in, um, was in, there in my, in my uh, hospital room when they checked me out of ICU. Um, I was just surrounded by good people and um, good people online. But tying back into that s- story about Nikki,
0: mm-hmm.
1: It was crazy because um, they brought me my phone back. My son f- went back actually to the crash spot, found my phone on the hill. F- wow. Four days later or five days later, brought it back to me in the hospital. And there's you know there's a million messages of friends and family like, hey, we love you, we love you, stay strong. What happened? Prayers, all that stuff. love, yeah, yeah like, everything are, you can imagine, you know. When you can Yeah, you dumbass, you know, yeah. like all, all the whole gamut, you know, and. Um, and so I found Nikki's um, message string in there, and I texted her. And I said, "Hey, listen, I'm, I'm so sorry. I haven't gotten back to you in a few days. I, I was in a coma. You know." And it's like, wait a second, you know. But, um, but on her side of things, so she she was like, "What happened to this guy? He stopped texting me for like four days, just disappeared." And she's like, "Hello, hello," you know. And and she's like, you know, this guy is like. Couldn't have ghosted me like we had this good rapport, great relationship, and all of a sudden he disappeared. So she started fishing around on social media, and she found a a Facebook message from my family that said, "Please pray for our brother or son Eric. He's in a coma. He didn't make it down the mountain, and it's not looking good. You know, thoughts and prayers appreciated." And she said she was um, driving down Santa Monica Boulevard and just pulled over and like burst into tears. And we had just had this like crazy connection over the phone and stuff before that and she just all of a sudden became a part of that. So she hit me back in the hospital and we started texting and she's like, I know you're in a coma, I read the whole thing. Like, are you okay? Obviously not, you know? And I said, I I feel good, you know? And it's probably the ketamine and the morphine and the, (laughs) 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 but I feel good. And and so I, I had to have a couple of surgeries. I shattered my scapula, I broke my collarbone. And they put um, titanium. So now I'm like sort of Iron Man. Uh, as you are, yeah. Um, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I got three plates in the back, the, all this stuff. There's a lot of, you know, laundry list of injuries. Um, it's Yeah, but the biggest thing was um, punching that hole in my lung. They wouldn't let me fly home. The surgeon came in and he said, listen, you can't go home. You can't fly for two months um, because it's too dangerous with the air pressure. We have to heal your, your lung and this hole in your lung and then... Um, che- do a checkup and MRIs and x-rays, and then we can put you on a plane once it's safe. So I told Nikki that, and I was like, hey, listen, I'm I'm stuck here for a while. It looks like it's going to be two months. And she was like, oh, that sucks, you know, because we were going to try to get together, and all this stuff happened, and it looked like it may be a while. Um, we started FaceTiming every night morning and talking and texting from – ho- I'm texting from my hospital bed, you know, and <laughs> her from L.A. running around doing her thing. And we got on the phone one day, and she was like, listen – I'm thinking about getting on a plane. And I thought, you know what, that feels good. You should get on a plane. And I said, but don't come to the hospital. I'm out of here in about a week or two weeks. Come right when I get out, because then we're gonna be up in the Swiss Alps. It's this beautiful place, and if for some reason it doesn't click, like, you know, relationship-wise, we'll still be like best friends, you know? And we'll still, and you're gonna you're gonna have an awesome trip, I promise that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so she, in a leap of faith, got an airplane ticket one way to the Swiss Alps. She flew New York, London, to Zurich, and then took a train up to the Swiss Alps, like four hours, you know, to meet someone she had never met before. And it was a trip, and um, I, uh, I hobbled down from my um, little hotel that I was staying at on the lake in Arosa, to the train station, through the rain in my pajamas, um, and waited for a train, you know, and she pulled in and that was the first place we ever met was at this little like train station So rad. And we clicked as soon as I saw her in person I Was like wow, that's my person I just knew you know when the eye contact everything the smile just her, her body language I just knew that there was something way more than just you know, like anything surface, you know, and that all like sort of just unfolded and came to fruition, and then we we were like inseparable, and then since then we've been inseparable.
0: Yeah, I mean, and and cohabitating now, and now cohabitating. So some we, special news as well.
1: Yeah, so since then we and we've traveled around a bit. We were down in Tulum doing stuff. I was doing some stuff with Tony Hawk down there, and she came with me. Then we, we had this, like, whirlwind of travel. We were in Paris. We were in Milan. Which is always really
0: romantic and yeah. awesome in a relationship. We had that with my husband. <laughs> oh, yeah. Paris
1: is incredibly romantic, you know. We went to Jim Morrison's uh, grave and brought a bottle of wine in there and spilled a little bit out for Jim and had some and, and just had this, like, whirlwind adventure. And she pretty much was, like, living at my house. She's – so she – Nikki's a um, – A a food network chef, Mm -hmm. and she's um, uh, and she has a lot of celebrity clients that she private chefs for, and so she has this really cool job. But she's also very like, um, not only is she like an awesome cook now for me, um, but also like she she has this flexible like career where yeah, so we could be together a lot, which was really cool, especially in the beginning because I was really gimpy, I'm still a little gimpy, but.
0: And you're riding, and he's riding already. You're riding bikes already. Wow. You have been. I rode my Harley here today. Okay, I yeah. thought so. Okay, yeah. so
1: that's January 1st uh, was the first day I got back on a bike. I wow. crashed August 3rd. January 1st, I waited. I did all the physical therapy and a lot of that stuff. And then, and then I was ready. And Nick, uh, the first day back on a bike, Nikki jumped on the back. And we, we went for a ride through the canyon. And that was really cool.
0: Wow, that's, that, that's another telling thought there, there that what you just said. Yeah, yeah. Total trust.
1: Yeah, yeah, and so I've been taking the bike out, yeah, and riding around, done some press rides, but um, we, um, so yeah, we, we recently moved in together. Um, she gave up her place in Beverly Hills. I gave up the house in Tribuco Canyon, and we got a place in Newport Beach together, and part of that whole surrounding is that um, we're expecting a baby.
0: So wonderful. Yeah. So beautiful.
1: Yeah, so we've got, she's got a bun in the oven
0: you both do. Well, she's well, she's literally carrying the bun. She's but carrying it. She's carrying this gift.
1: I'm carrying her, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so it's been crazy because now we're, what, eight, nine months out from my crash. I'm not really keeping track. Um, and so much has happened. But, yeah, just all the way back. And it's crazy because sometimes you have these, like, it takes those types of, like, catastrophic moments to really see the depth of somebody else and what they're about and the soil that they're made of. And that was just so evident with her of how like loving and caring, and like beautiful of a person she is, um, and, and and someone who would take a leap of faith and cross the world to follow like her heart, that it, it was just it was so like so revealing that it was like in, like instantly like I knew what I wanted right when we met. And for her, she, it was interesting because she had just been doing these like sort of personal journeys. And she had just right before coming out to Switzerland had been asking like the universe for to bring her 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 soulmate, her her lobster, you know. And um, so she kind of like described to the universe what she was looking for. And apparently I made some of that criteria.
0: Yes, you did. Well, No. And then I have to say, though, is. You sharing about going over the cliff. Yeah. And, you know, and. Embracing and being okay, and knowing that you had that you had done the right things and lived a way that you could sleep in your own skin and move on,
1: yeah,
0: is also telling. I mean, I have to give you some credit with that. I mean, I because I don't know. I mean, to have to hear that from you, from your heart, is is really overwhelming. Mm. Um, That to be in a place because I don't know many people that would feel like okay, I guess, I guess it's okay. Yeah. like I, I've I have lived a wonderful life, and I have done things the way that I want to be remembered for, and do. Um, yeah,
1: I think, you know, every like obviously we all face death. That's inevitable, and so I feel like the only reason people fear it is because of regret in their life. Like they, they haven't expressed themselves in the way that they want to express themselves in that short amount of time that we have. And when you have done that, I just feel like you're. You're not afraid to go into the unknown, um, to go into what's next, whether, whatever your faith is or, or if you don't have faith. you know, it, it, I think it's just, yeah, that's your, your personal journey.
0: Okay, and we are running out of time, um, sadly. Um, I do want to say, though, that that's how my husband and I is. I was praying for my soulmate, my best friend, and after Aaron and I were together for a year, he said he had been praying for his best friend and his soulmate. And so I think there is, and or you know, and for whatever goodness, there's some goodness out there that normally we don't talk about this kind of stuff on my show. But it's, um, I wanted to have you on for Valentine's Day week, but uh, because I was so touched by your story, Um, we have run out of time. I'm, I'm just so thankful for your time tonight. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. You know, and you've got so, and Eric also has so much going on as well. I I highly recommend you following him on Instagram or on Twitter at um, Eric Hendricks. Um, so you can follow, keep up with the podcast, all these different articles he's doing, um, and video, you know, all this, all this amazing stuff in photography. And I didn't even get to mention the uh, board graphic you did for Ben, uh, Mark McKee did the artwork for it. Um, a photo sure. of yours for ben, of ben, um, but there's so much to follow up on with Eric. Maybe we can have him back in. Um, you know, thanks. Are we, that's what we got it. Is that, we got like one more minute. No, we don't. Okay, we are running. Cole's giving me the. Uh, we got to get out. Um, you guys, huge thanks for tuning in to the Desiree Show on Dash Radio, and huge thanks to Eric for coming in studio. I so appreciate your time and sharing your heart with us. Thank
1: you, Desiree. Grateful.
0: Yeah. No, thanks I'm so grateful. Much. Thanks yeah. for sharing the love and uh, and your in your story. Yeah.
1: Follow uh, Instagram. Let's all be friends. You can watch our trip on Hawaii and everything else.
0: Okay, and we can watch to uh, place our bets for the baby. At the gender. Any guesses? Girl. (laughs) I I thought girl. All right. Well, Cole's giving me the eyes. We are out. Have a dynamite week. This is The Desiree Show on Dash Radio. Are you tired of pain, taking pills, whether over-the-counter or otherwise? Are you looking for a natural way to help your body and your sanity that's also affordable? drug-free and will block your pain this is Desiree Astorga and I am grateful to have partnered with a brand I truly believe in a product I use and to have biomedical life systems as a sponsor of the Desiree show podcast rebound sport is your answer it is for me this amazing stimulator works with your body to alleviate pains due to overexertion soreness even help strengthen your muscles head over to bmls.com and order yours today